a favorite book on the shelf of my study is The Diaries of Adam and Eve, translated by, but actually written by, none other than Mark Twain. It is, of course, a fictional diary with entries that alternate between Eve and Adam writing. In Eve's first entry, on the day after her creation, she writes, I am almost a whole day old, and I feel like I am an experiment. She then writes, I followed the other experiment around yesterday at a distance to see what it might be for, but I was not able to make it out. I think it is a man. I'd never seen a man, but it looked like one, and I feel sure that that is what it is. Well, Adam's entry for that same day reads, This new creature with the long hair is a good deal in the way. It is always hanging around and following me about. I don't like this. I am not used to company. I wish it would stay with the other animals. <laughs> Unlike uh, the creation story of Genesis 1, where each day ends with God looking at what has been made and declaring that it's either good or very good, the, this is not the case of, in the creation story from Genesis 2. Indeed, in Genesis 2, God very quickly finds something in creation that is not good. As we heard in verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. Now, I think this single verse does a great deal to undermine that doctrine, that major Christian doctrine of original sin. The idea that God's creation was perfect before Adam and Eve blew it by eating from the forbidden fruit. But here in, in verse 18, before Eve is even created, God has clearly found something in creation that is not good, that is less than perfect. To be clear, not good also means not perfect. And it is God who realizes this. Well before we get to Genesis 3, wherein we read the story of the so-called fall. What is not good in God's eyes is aloneness. Indeed, aloneness is so not good that God sets about to create a partner for Ha-Adam. Now, Ha-Adam, Adam is not a literal name. Ha-Adam means the man. But here's where things get interesting. In verses 19 and 20, we are told that as God attempts to fix this problem of human aloneness, God forms every animal of the field and every bird of the air 
And God brings each of these new creatures before Ha-Adam, who names them. But as verse 20 concludes, for the man, there was not found a helper to be his partner. Now, there's a logic that we will miss if we move too quickly from verse 18 to verse 19 to verse 20. After God realizes that it's not good for the man to be alone, God begins to shape all sorts of creatures in an attempt to make for Ha-Adam a suitable partner. And so every creature that God is making in verse 19 is made in the hope that it, a zebra, a falcon, a dog, even a cat, might be the cure for Ha-Adam's aloneness. Now, it is a bit comical to imagine God creating one new creature after another and bringing it to the man and saying, what do you think of this? Is this a suitable partner? To be clear, we do not read the Bible literally, But in reading the Bible more carefully and more seriously than literalism actually permits, we discover that this story is proclaiming something that is just remarkable and beautiful. It is that God will expend tremendous time and energy and creativity to remedy the one thing in creation that is not good, aloneness. Genesis 2 is proclaimed that every living thing on earth exists because God will stop at nothing until the problem of aloneness is solved. Have you ever heard that before? I haven't. And I ask this because I think we haven't picked up on it because unlike God, we have expended our time and energy and creativity arguing over what these creation stories, both Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, reveal about issues like homosexuality or proper gender roles, which isn't the point at all. But since that's been the case, let's spend just a couple minutes on both of those issues. Now, it is common in some Christian communities to affirm a complementary view of gender roles. And the complementarian hypothesis reads Genesis 2 as hierarchical. Man created first, woman second. 
And so in this view, God has created them both equal in their essential dignity, but different in their function. So according to this perspective, certain roles and uh, responsibilities fall uniquely to the male with no limits on what a man can do in terms of uh, the home or, or church or in society. But the woman, being second, has some certain limits as to what role she can fulfill. In the, in the home and in the church and in society. And so Pastor Liz would not be Pastor Liz if we had a view. We have an egalitarian view, and we are better for that. There are a couple reasons I'll lift up, though there are several more I might add, but a couple reasons that I think it is incorrect to interpret Genesis 2 through a complementarian lens. And first, in verse 15, the Lord God places the man in the Garden of Eden to do what? And then in verse 18, God decides that Ha'adam needs a suitable partner to be his helper. To help the man do what God placed him in the garden to do. Namely, to till and to keep it. There is no different vocation given to the woman than is given to the man. The woman isn't supposed to stand idle until the man says, hey, give me a rake. And nor is, is she supposed to grab Ha'adam a, a, a beer when he says, well, you tend the garden, I'm going to watch the game. And second, more importantly, I think, as Terence Freitheim points out, the Hebrew word for helper is easier. And it carries no implication whatsoever about the status of the one who helps. Indeed, throughout Scripture, the Hebrew word ezer is applied to God as the helper of human beings. And we would never say that God is subordinate to the human being, would we? With regards to homosexuality, it's common for some to argue that it's the more modern argument. Same-sex attraction isn't the problem that um, they, they'll acknowledge that some people are biologically dis, uh, predisposed to same-sex attraction. The problem, these folks will say, is acting on that same-sex attraction. That's a sin. And so the solution is for same-sex attracted people to remain single and celibate, which really means alone without the consolation of a deeply committed life partner. But since aloneness is the problem that God solves in Genesis 2, 
since aloneness is what God sees as the one thing that is not good in creation, I would argue that imposing aloneness on anyone is also not good. And it flatly contradicts God's intention in Genesis 2. But the point remains, I hope you haven't missed this, that the choice of a suitable partner is always in the story Ha'adam. The choice isn't dictated by God. God tries an awful lot of things, (laughs) as we read. He brings them to Ha'adam and and zebra, no. (laughs) Falcon, no. Dog, no. Not cow. And then in verse 22, God creates another possibility. And Adam says, at last. Here is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. The problem of human aloneness is solved. The choice is left entirely and throughout to Ha'adam. And if God left the choice of a suitable partner to Ha'adam, I would argue that the most conservative reading of Genesis 2 is that God leaves that choice still, no matter the sexuality of the individual. But this is key. We read it in an egalitarian type of way so that it's equal, which is why things like pedophilia and bestiality are wrong, but not any type of egalitarian relationship that we share with a deeply committed life partner. Yes, there are other texts we'd have to deal with, but what the point is, is that we should not be using Genesis 2 as a bludgeon against those who are same-sex attracted. But that's not the main point of the story. So let's look at that. What is the main proclamation of Genesis 2? That God's assessment of, is that aloneness is not good. A church member uh, recently sent me an article from The Atlantic. Uh, maybe you saw it. Why so many Americans have stopped going to church. And uh, this quote from the article caught my eye. The problem in front of us is not that we have a healthy, sustainable society that doesn't have room for church. The problem is that many Americans have adopted a way of life that has left us lonely, anxious, and uncertain about how to live in community with other people. Doesn't that ring true? Our culture preferences the individual over the communal, those who can win at the checkers game. We lionize the supposedly self-made. 
We seek self-actualization. We promote self-esteem. We want to be self-aware. We have the right of self-determination. And if we need help, well, we can even seek self-help. None of these things are necessarily bad. But as this article highlights, it seems as if this primary value, this overriding value on the self is recreating the problem that God first deemed needed to be fixed, aloneness. So often I will see social media posts that denigrate religion. You you probably know what I'm saying. I'm spiritual but not religious. But friends, the Latin root for the word religion is religio, which means to bind together. And I will be the first to admit that being bound together in a community, in a church, with other people can be hard and frustrating and difficult. But it's also the place where we can practice and hone our skill in living in life-giving relationships. If people criticize the church and stop attending, I fear it's because we're not showing ourselves to be a life-giving community where those people who are alone and hurting and anxious can find good companions for their life's journey. And so we have our work to do together to become known as a church where the anxious and the uncertain and the lonely can find good companions. And it begins with each of us committing to do our part to ensure that our life, our church, is a life-giving community. Do you recall how Adam responded on the first day of creation, how he didn't want anything to do with Eve? (laughs) He wished she'd stay with the other animals. At the end of 40 years together, at Eve's, Eve dies, And at her graveside, Adam writes these words. Wheresoever she was, there was Eden. Yes, God has shaped us to share life-giving relationships. Because the first thing that God figured out is that going it alone isn't good for anyone. Amen.